Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartnized. Today's episode, Civil War. It's been two weeks since the riot at Charlottesville, and it really can only be described as a riot. And the best explanation that I saw of it, the best short explanation, was in a meme that said, a racist asshole ran over a bunch of racist assholes who were protesting the protest of yet another group of racist assholes. That pretty much sums it all up. This riot was pretty much created by the government. Now, you know that I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I have very little patience with conspiracy theorists. But when you look at what happened here, it seems pretty obvious that it was intended for this to end in violence. The original protesters, the Nazis and the white supremacists, got a permit to protest the tearing down of a statue. That permit was then rescinded. Then the ACLU came in and got the permit Put back in place. So the protesters showed up, and despite having a permit, the mayor ordered the police to break up the protest and gave them specific instructions that not only were they to break it up, but according to the officers on the scene, and more than one of them, they were ordered to direct the supremacists into the Antifa crowd and then stand down. So, somebody wanted to see this turn into a violent altercation, and indeed, it did. After this happened, Antifa went out and tried to identify the people who were protesting the tearing down of the statue, and they doxed the wrong guy. They docked somebody who merely happened to look like one of these protesters, who lived a thousand miles away, published his name, published his address, phone numbers, and he ended up hiding at a friend's house for a weekend until it got cleared up and it was shown that, gee, it really wasn't him. Nice guys, these Antifa. We'll be talking a little more about them in a second. I kind of like the Douglas Adams view of it. He did a podcast of it. And he likened it to a sporting event where everybody shows up in their costumes with their equipment, which in this case was guns and baseball bats. These people showed up looking for a fight, looking for trouble. And then they had their game, their sporting event, which ended in tragedy. It ended in someone being killed and a lot of people being injured. And after this happened, Right after it happened, several other mayors announced that they, too, were going to tear down statues. Talk about asking for trouble. Oh, gee, we saw that there was a riot where people were injured, where people were killed, so, hey, let's do that in our town, too. So you can't tell me that this is not being contrived to create problems where none really existed before. I heard an interview, and I'm not sure where it was. I think it was a Tom Woods podcast, 
with somebody who was involved in politics in New Orleans. And he was saying that there really wasn't a race problem there. People were getting along just fine. And then the mayor announced that he was going to tear down four statues, Confederate statues. And all of a sudden, now you have people protesting them being torn down. You have people protesting them being uh, not being torn down. You have uh, the, all this fighting where before people were getting along just fine. And it seems like the left wants these fights. They want people to be hurt. And I can't understand that motivation. Instead of saying, okay, well, let's leave people peacefully alone. No, we're going to create a situation where there's acrimony and hate where there really wasn't any before. And Antifa, in their virtue signaling, think that it's wonderful that they're really brave enough to condemn Nazis. Oh, wow, yes, that's such a brave, controversial stance, isn't it? That's like saying, I hate smallpox and auto-tuned. Yeah, how brave. Now, there's a lot of arguments for tearing down these statues, and I just wanted to address some of them. Myself, I think it's stupid, not only because it creates acrimony where there wasn't any before, but because these are part of our history. And history, my friends, is ugly. History is full of bad, evil, and ugly things. And tearing down monuments doesn't change that. The arguments against the statues are, the first one is, well, it celebrates slavery. And this comes from people who think that the Civil War was about slavery. And the Civil War wasn't about slavery. And the Civil War was about slavery. Slavery was one of the things that it was about. But it was also about economic oppression. The North was oppressing the South with tariffs and all kinds of things. And it was also about the right of secession, which is something that was never codified. Although I think New Hampshire has it in their constitution that they could secede if they wanted to. But for the most part, it was just kind of a gentleman's agreement. People thought that they would be able, states thought that they would be able to secede if they were unhappy with the federal government. And indeed, before the Civil War, people were loyal to their states much more than they were loyal to the federal government. The states actually acted more as little mini-nations as opposed to one big glob of the United States. In fact, the first shots that were fired were about secession. They weren't about slavery. The Emancipation Proclamation didn't come out until halfway through the Civil War, and it only freed slaves in the South. It didn't free slaves in the border states. And Lincoln said, this is a direct quote, if I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, which is what he did, I would also do that. So the war was not specifically about slavery. And again, I don't want to diminish how much that was a part of it, but it wasn't just about that. And Lincoln pretty much clarified that 
when not only did he say this, but he also only freed the slaves in the South, which was an attempt to further destabilize the Southern economy and to cause slave uprisings. Now, one of the arguments against the statues is we don't put up statues to traitors. <laughs> yeah, we do. Sure we do. Washington and Jefferson, all the founding fathers, they were traitors. They were absolutely traitors to the British crown. And yet, they are our heroes, although we're working on destroying that as well. And I also, now this is a thought that I'm not really, uh, haven't really thought about a lot, but it kind of strikes me that once someone says they secede from a country and they're no longer part of the country, fighting that country is not really an act of treason, is it? I say, well, I'm not part of the United States. I'm part of the Confederacy. That's my new country. And that's who I'm fighting for. So does that make them traitors? I don't think so. Again, I could be wrong on this one. I really haven't thought that part through a whole lot. Another argument is, we don't erect monuments to losers. Yeah, we do. Of course we do. One of the most moving and emotional monuments, war monuments, is the long black wall of the Vietnam Memorial with the names of 50,000 people who died for nothing in a war that we lost. They're losers. And I say this without any disrespect at all. They were conned into joining a war. They were forced by conscription into joining a war. And many of them, most of them, fought bravely and valiantly and bought into the lie that this was to protect American freedoms. It wasn't, of course. And they all lost, but we have this huge, emotional, beautiful monument to them. Well, these statues were put up in the 1920s and then again in the 1960s, and they were passive-aggressive fight against losing Jim Crow laws, the ones that went up in the 60s. Okay, let's assume that's true. That's part of our history, too. We don't need to erase it. So after Charlottesville, an all-out war was declared on statues, especially Confederate statues, but not all Confederate statues. In Dunham, a mob got together and yanked down a statue of a Confederate soldier. Not any specific soldier, but a generic Confederate soldier. Tore it down, destroyed it, vandalized it. There was a statue that Antifa vandalized, mostly with spray paint on this one, that they thought was a Confederate statue, and it was actually a statue to the goddess of peace which, of course, they have shown that they are, are completely opposed to peace. Not too bright, these guys. A Lincoln statue was vandalized. So here all these people are saying, well, I'm protesting slavery, and I'm protesting the Civil War, and I'm protesting the Confederacy, and I'm going to set fire to and destroy a Lincoln statue. Huh? Wow. There's a statue 
of Joan of Arc that was put up in the 70s, that was given to New Orleans by France, that got vandalized. Somebody sprayed, tear it down, on the base of it. Joan of Arc, of course, big hero and a traitor. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, one of the arguments that we hear is, we should put them in museums. Not destroy them, but put them in museums. Well, I don't think that would work too well either. First of all, statues are not designed to be put in museums. They're designed to be put in parks. They're designed to be put in public places for pigeons to crap on and people to ignore and tourists to look at and take pictures of. That's what they're made for. But if we were to take them down and put them in the museum, how long would it be before Antifa and the other far lefties insist that, no, we still have to destroy them? Minutes? Seconds? I'm sure that's not going to satisfy them. Here in New York State, in the state capitol, there's a huge mural of the Civil War. And in that mural, two of the soldiers are carrying Confederate flags. One of them is being shot. And some activist is complaining about the Confederate flags being in the mural. Oh, they're hurting her feelings. I don't know if she wants them to be covered with whiteout. I don't know, whiteout is probably considered racist. Or painted with Antifa flags or whatever. But this is altering history. This is taking a historical painting of a historical event and destroying a piece of it because somebody's feelings are hurt. And the vandalism has not been limited to destroying statues. They have also been vandalizing Confederate graveyards, and even trying to dig up grave sites. How disgusting can you get? And of course, there is the issue of all the other statues out there, all of the founding fathers. They all owned slaves. They all had racist tendencies, because everybody back then did. Let's get rid of them. I've actually seen serious articles suggesting that we chisel Washington and Jefferson off of Mount Rushmore because they own slaves. What horrible, evil people. And how about street names and city names? We have Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln and Columbus as street names and city names all over the country. Yep, they have requested or should I say demanded, that those be changed as well. Here's a quote of a post that someone put on Facebook in all seriousness. And this is a conservative guy. I'm calling on the city of Tulsa to remove the name of Guthrie Green. Woody Guthrie was a communist and an apologist for Joseph Stalin. Stalin murdered millions of his own citizens, and was planning a persecution against the Soviet Union Jews just before he died in March 1953. George Kaiser should have known better than to fund a memorial to Woody Guthrie, apologist for the Jew-hating Joseph Stalin. And you know what he says here is correct. Guthrie was a communist, and he was a Stalin supporter. 
although the evils that Stalin was practicing were not as commonly known as they are now, but still, there were a lot of communists out there at that time in history praising Stalin. So, can't have any Woody Guthrie stuff. And I like Woody Guthrie for uh, a lot of the things that he did, and I like a lot of his songs, but he was a commie. So, have to get rid of everything he's ever done. I've seen Arlo in concert three different times. It puts on a hell of a show. If you ever get a chance to see Arlo Guthrie in concert, uh, don't miss it. It's a great show. One of my favorite complaints, and this one just came in kind of quick and then disappeared, was somebody was complaining that the supremacists were using tiki torches that they got at Home Depot and calling for a boycott of Home Depot because using tiki torches was appropriating Polynesian culture. And of course, you know where I stand on cultural appropriation. I'm all for it. Because that's how our culture has grown and become what it is. Now, if you want a lot of people to show up for a protest on either side, there's a site out there called Crowds on Demand that will hire protesters to show up. And in fact, there was a Craigslist posting from Crowds on Demand for the Charlottesville riot for Antifa people to show up. You get 25 bucks an hour for showing up and protesting. And they don't seem to really care which side. They'll, they'll, they'll fund both sides. As long as you've got the money, they'll do the protests for you. They'll, they'll populate the protests for you. And since Charlottesville, we have seen not just statues and graveyards and gravestones all being destroyed or vandalized, what we've seen, all kinds of other horrible things being done. People being attacked. People being attacked for wearing a Make America Great Again sign. And when I say attacked, I don't mean just yelled at. I mean hit with clubs and bats. These people travel around with clubs and bats and uh, two-by-fours with nails stuck in the ends of them. This is a very, very violent crowd. And it's really not surprising that it's come to this. Because Antifa consists of a bunch of middle-class punks. They were raised where games were played without keeping score, so nobody's feelings were hurt, given participation trophies. And more importantly, when they go to college, are told that, no, you are not supposed to ever hear anything that would upset you even a little. Just the opposite of what college is supposed to be. College is supposed to be a place where all your ideas get attacked and torn down and built back up again and justified or unjustified. And you learn how to think and you learn how to develop as a person. No, 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 no. Can't do that anymore. We must have safe rooms. And we must never, ever hear anything we disagree with. And if anybody that we disagree with is invited to campus or even publicly says something we don't like, then we have a right to silence them, punish them, and physically attack them. Folks, when it comes to free speech, there are only two options. Free speech 
or violence. That's it. You let people say what they want to say. You give them the free speech to say things, including ugly things and stupid things and dangerous things. And then you use your free speech to counter it. Or you make free speech illegal, which is what these people want. And you punish it with violence. Now, I'm not the least bit afraid of Nazis or white supremacists. Nazis total about, and of course it's very hard to get accurate numbers on this, but estimates are that people who actually call themselves Nazis and subscribe to Nazis, about 1,500 people in the United States. White supremacists, about 8,000. All right? That is out of 321 million people. That's point zero 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 something percent. That's well below even a rounding error. And the best thing to do with them, of course, would be to simply ignore them. But by announcing that we're tearing down this statue, we're tearing down that statue, and we're changing the names of these highways, and we're destroying all of these monuments, that brings them out of the woodwork. And then that, of course, brings out Antifa and the protesters. And again creates conflict and acrimony where before it really didn't even exist or existed in such a small amount that it didn't matter. And for listeners who are not Americans or more appropriately not United Statesians who are watching this in horror and who are wondering if we are going to have this horrible civil war here in this country, let me assure you, It's not a problem. Because while Charlottesville was going on, while 300 white supremacists, now to put this in perspective, this particular protest was planned for six months and heavily advertised, and they were able to bring in a grand total of about 300 people to protest on the white supremacy side. Right? Out of all of America, 300 people. While this was going on, 321 million of us got up in the morning, went to work, went shopping, hung out with friends, did all the things that you do during a day, and didn't have any problem with anybody because of their race or their religion or their politics. We said hello to our neighbors wave to them. And if you really want to see how most Americans feel about other races and religions and creeds, watch what's happening now in Houston. Houston is underwater. They're under 17, 18, 20 feet of water. It's, it's an enormous, enormous disaster down there. And Americans are flocking there to help. And they're helping everybody. They're helping everybody. And the thing is, the the helpers, the rescuers, they're all racist. They're all different religious beliefs. They're all different political beliefs. None of that matters. And the people that they're helping, also all different races, 
political beliefs, religions. None of that matters. None of that matters even a little. Nobody says, well, we're not going to rescue you because you're black or you're Hispanic. It doesn't work that way. Americans pretty much get along with each other. And we've learned that if people are doing things that you don't like, that you don't approve of, that you think are wrong but don't hurt anybody else, you can mind your own damn business and leave them alone. There are exceptions. There are the nannies, the do-gooders, and the antifas, and the tiny, 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 tiny number of supremacists and Nazis. But most of us, yeah, we just go about our day dealing with people and simply not caring about race, religion, background, sex, whatever. This whole thing has been like watching a knife fight between Michael Moore and Rush Limbaugh. You just wish they'd both cut each other and kill each other and you could just walk by their twitching bodies and stop paying any attention to them. And it's the politicians who are keeping it going. And we need to remember that. And we need to realize that they're the ones who are creating the problems and setting the stage for this kind of thing. They're the real enemies, them and Antifa, a very dangerous group that wants to replace free speech with pure violence. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. All right, got a letter here from an astute listener who had some issues and problems with my eugenics podcast. I'm going to address that in a minute. But first, I wanted to tell you about Patreon. In my last podcast, I mentioned that I was thinking about setting up a Patreon page. And a dozen or so of you wrote in and said, yeah, I'll contribute to that. And so the page is there. It's all set up. You can go there and you can sign up. You can give me a buck. You can give me two bucks. And I've got, you know, all different uh, all different amounts that you can contribute, including some ridiculous ones. But, yeah, I put them there. What the heck? I'm a horrible, horrible procrastinator. And that is why you don't get that many of these shows. You only get, what, one a month now? All right? And it's not for lack of ideas. It's for lack of motivation. It's because of procrastination. It's because I hate the editing part of this, which is annoying and, and boring. And so if enough of you sign up on Patreon and it becomes profitable to do this instead of just doing it for free, then I will have motivation to do it more. So if I end up getting 10 bucks a show, well, that's nice. I can get a nice cigar for each one that I do and that's okay. But that's not a huge incentive. But if 100 people were to contribute, if 200 people were to contribute, now putting it off is going to cost me $100, $200. I better do these more often. I better give you one a week. 
So the Patreon is set up. Go to Patreon and search on Quick Hits or search on Dave Hit, and you will find it there. And please, sign up. Do a buck. Yeah, you, you won't miss a buck. All right? And by the way, the maximum amount... Uh, I'm never going to be one of these guys that does a, a podcast every day. I have a great deal of respect for the people who do that. But the maximum amount will be four shows uh, a month that I'll charge for. So... And I, I know myself, I'm not going to be doing any more than that. And if I do, if I just throw out a quickie or something there, I, it won't it won't count. So I got a letter from Laura Cody. And she writes, Hi Dave, sometimes you really irritate me. But before I get to that, I have to tell you I love Blood Witness. Just recently listened to it for a second time. When I was in my late teens, I actually studied with the JWs for a while. So I got the irony of your novel, but I just can't believe in any God created to date. Blood Witness, by the way, for those of you who have not listened to it yet or read it, you can buy it on Amazon for three bucks or you can get the patio book, which is free. That has been downloaded almost a half a million times, almost a half a million episodes. So there's 17 episodes. So you got to divide that by 17 to see how many total books have been done but last I checked it was like 455,000 downloads and I'm still getting thousands of downloads a month on it with no advertising no promotion whatsoever so that's great and it's out there if you want to check it out it's uh, a lot of fun I, I had so much fun writing it second regarding secondhand smoke there are a few people who can't deal with secondhand cigarette smoke like me I have asthma and COPD from smoking too many years. Yeah, that's true. There are some folks who can't deal with secondhand smoke. There are folks also who can't go into a loud bar because they have tintinous. Tintinous, I think I'm saying that correctly. And it causes a, a painful and long-lasting ringing in their ears. There are lots of illnesses that prevent you from enjoying certain venues. And that's unfortunate, but that doesn't justify these huge smoking bans. And the fact of the matter is, if you didn't have these smoking bans, you would still have places that were smoke-free and catered to non-smokers, especially now that smokers are a smaller and smaller and smaller group of people. And certainly places like uh, restaurants and delis and places like that would not allow cigarette smoking if suddenly the, uh, the laws were changed, which I don't think they're going to be. Finally, your podcast about progressives and their eugenic program. I can't argue with it. But weren't the Dems of the day pretty much assholes and racists? And haven't the two big parties switched places? Well, yes. The Dems of their day were assholes and racists. However, I'm not so sure that they've switched places. Both parties are huge authoritarian big government parties. And most of the difference between them is talk and rhetoric. There are differences, but they're not as huge as most people think they are. Seems to me the GOP would love to practice economic and medical eugenics on the poor. So are they the new progressives? I don't know that they so much want to practice it on them as just ignore them and pretend that they don't exist and blame them 
for being poor. And in a lot of cases, people that are poor are poor of, of their own volition because of, of what they've done. But it's the democratic programs, the welfare state that they've created, that helps keep people poor and traps them in poverty in such a way that it becomes very difficult to get out of. And I've talked about this before, where you have the welfare cliff, where if you are sitting there on welfare and you're getting $1,000 a month or $2,000 a month or whatever in benefits, and you start working, as soon as you hit $1 over a certain level, you lose it all. And it should be relatively easy to fix that simply by saying, okay, if you will earn $1 over a certain level, you'll lose 25 cents worth of benefits. Now you have a chance to advance yourself and do better. But no, we don't do it that way. And Nazis were right-wing. Hmm. No, they weren't. That's a common misconception. But Nazi was the German Socialist Workers' Party. Hitler was a socialist. Hitler condemned capitalism. He was left-wing. He really was. And progressive. He, he just he took the eugenics to its logical conclusion, as I said in the last show. But it's true that right and left keep switching around. And for instance, over in the UK, it's like backwards from what we have. And I was reading a, a von Mises book called On Liberalism that was written in the 30s, talking about liberals and what liberals believed. And as I read it, none of it made any sense because it was nothing at all like today's liberals. And if you took the word liberal and liberalism every time he said it and replaced it mentally with libertarian and libertarianism, then it made perfect sense. And the descriptions were all accurate, which is why you'll hear people refer to themselves as classical liberals, which was the liberals of the 30s who actually stood for free markets and free minds and freedom to do what you wanted and limited government, as opposed to what they stand for now. By the way, I can think of any number of people who shouldn't be allowed to breed. My sister, for one. I'm too late on that one. But I will volunteer to choose others for sterilization. Well, I think every single one of us could put a long list of people together and say, yeah, these people shouldn't be having kids. But actually doing that, actually putting it in place, I think most of us would be decent enough not to actually do it. She's, she's not actually advising it. She puts a little smiley face here. And then she goes on uh, talking about uh, UBI. I listen to a lot of podcasts, well over 100. I have nothing better to do, so forgive me if you've already covered this. The minimum wage. It's occurred to me that unless people don't have to work for a living and want to work for extras for any other reason, the market can't really find a natural wage rate. Well, yeah, it can, but that natural wage rate varies substantially across professions. There is a, and I've talked about this before, there is a de facto minimum wage in most areas, which in most cases is usually higher than the actual federal or state minimum wage, where you have to pay a mall rat 10 bucks an hour to ignore customers, even if the minimum wage is eight bucks an hour or 850 or whatever it is, because it varies from state to state. 
And as long as the minimum wage is below that de facto minimum wage, raising it, as long as you don't raise it too far above that de facto minimum wage, it doesn't do horrible things. But once you raise it way above that, then it does do horrible things. Right now, the big corporations and government have kept wages down at less than substance levels. And so long as people have no choice but to accept it, that's all there is, well, we can't know. Just remember that even a college degree is no guarantee of a job, except at Starbucks. I do agree that government and big business are in bed with each other to the point where you really can't tell the difference between them. But what they're doing that really hurts people and really keeps wages down is making it much more difficult for people to start businesses, to be entrepreneurs. Something like a third of the professions now require licensing. And that includes things in some states like interior decorating and hair braiding and flower arranging. And when you allow people to start businesses easily without a lot of impediments in the way, they create businesses and some of them succeed and jobs are created and more people get hired and that makes wages go up because there's a smaller pool of unemployed people to pick from. And we're getting into an entirely different show. Uh, so I don't want to go too long on that. She talks about a UBI, basic income and abolishing minimum wage. And, and like, a, and, and that's not something that I really want to get into here. She says, let's do one more, Medicare for all, except the more you make, the less coverage you get. Anywhere from, say, 100% coverage to 5% coverage, let the market take care of the rest. It does amaze me that those who that object to socialized medicine close their eyes to the fact that insurance of any kind is just socialism with a profit motive. Hmm, I don't really agree with that. Insurance is actually, when it's done correctly, pooled risk, where we're all going to pool in. We, we, we know that out of a thousand people, one person's house is going to burn down, so we all kick in a thousandth worth of a house, and when one of our houses burned down, because we don't know which one, we pay it off. But a lot of folks look at insurance as gambling, and it, it really isn't when it's done properly. And Trump has certainly proved that running the government like a business isn't going to work. Governments aren't businesses. Sorry, couldn't resist. Sincerely yours, Laura Cody. Thank you, Laura. Good letter. And uh, yeah, I agree. Government running government like a business is appealing, but whether it'll actually work or not, I I I think you need to apply some business principles to government. But I don't think running it strictly like a business is going to work. If we ran it more like a business, I think we'd be a lot better off. But again, it's a subject for another podcast. So thank you, Laura for taking the time to uh, craft that letter. And if anybody else wants to write, uh, please, Dave at DaveHit.com. It's easy enough. I don't get a lot of letters, and so I like getting them. And I like responding to them, especially when, as Laura did here, you disagree with me. Because then I get to have a conversation, and we can learn something, which is getting smartenized. And we're at the end of the show, folks. So again, if you're so inclined, 
If you'd like to see shows more often, go to Patreon. Kick in a buck. That's all. Just a buck. Or more, if you're so inclined. And if only a few people do, that's okay. It's a way of you saying thank you, and I do appreciate it. But if enough people do, you're going to get more shows. And that's really what it's all about. So there's nothing left for me to do except remind you that the Quick Hits Podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.